Welcome to Waypoint Church Online. So glad you're able to join us. Uh, Whether you're joining us on YouTube or Church Online or our podcast or however you're connecting with us, we're just really glad that you are, you're here and with us. Uh, And we hope that you'll be able to connect with worship and with God's word and uh, you'll be enriched to meet with God as a result. Uh, Before we we dive into a couple things, uh, I wonder how your week has been. Uh, It's really struck me that we're already in October. And uh, this, this year has been a weird year on lots of reasons, but it's sort of flown by and sort of crawled by at the same time. Um, but but this, this week, sort of, we did something quite significant as a family. Well, probably personally, really, is I, I turned the central heating on. Uh, and I know in some families that's a big debate. You know, sh- should it be turned on in November or December? Or are you more of a temperature person? And I know other families are going, really, there's much more interesting things to talk about. And I, I, I agree. But you know what? What's really important is that we we talk, we we do life together. It's not just about this is the little God slot. It is that we we understand that God wants to be involved with all of our lives and with our one to one conversations, with our gatherings like this in all ways. And and I, I hope you're connecting with people um, by phone or by by um, social media or lots of different ways. And to connect in, we really want to encourage people to be connected. If you're not part of a small group, um, which our church is made up of, we'd love to connect you with with people. We we want you to know you're not alone. And we're doing life together and growing together uh, and sharing Jesus together. So thank you for being part of us. And we want to encourage you to keep being part of us. One, one big thing that did happen this week is this week we welcomed uh, five interns to join our team who are giving up a year to help us as a church um, between five and 15 hours a week. They're, they're all coming in and serving in different areas. Uh, one person you'll, you may be familiar with is Bev Price. Um, Bev did an internship last year as part of her Moreland's studies. She's doing that again this year. Uh, you may know Bev because she's preached. She preached in August, as you would have seen on screen. She did our reading last Sunday. She also preached earlier in the year, and you'll see her popping up again in different places. Um, our other interns, you'll see it in different ways, but we asked um, them to do a quick introduction of who they are. So, so here they are to introduce themselves. Hi, I am Gemma Terry, and I am the youth and worship intern at Waypoint Church. A fun fact about me is that I have a song on Spotify and I have my own merchandise in the form of a pen. Um, And I'm most excited about uh, sharing the gospel uh, with young people and just spreading the joy of the Lord to every one of you. God bless. Hi, uh, my name's Rowan Murphy and I'm going to be the youth intern at Waypoint Church. Um, a fun fact about me is I want to be part of and a member of Jim Privet's fan club. Um, can't wait for that. Um, also, I can't wait um, to be part of the Edge team on a Friday night when that restarts. Um, can't wait to meet you all and looking forward to it. God bless. Hi, I'm Harry. I am working with the Children's Work with Claire. I'm a student at Moreland's Bible College. Uh, a fun fact about me is I've been hit by, by a giraffe. Um, and I'm most looking forward to helping Claire with the children's work and getting to know everyone in the church. Hi, my name's Adam. Um, I'm working as an intern with the tech um, kind of side and stuff um, at Waypoint Church. Um, fun fact about me is I do live streams from the middle of nowhere, um, uh, and I like to um, help Waypoint 
Now, some of them are, are really going to be upfront people. Others are behind the scenes. So, so well done, Adam, for doing that. I know you didn't like to be in front of the camera. He's technically one of these great guys and helping us there. And we're so grateful as they, they invest their time. So grateful for so many people who invest their time and serve in upfront ways and behind the scene ways, in technical ways and just practical ways. We are so, so grateful. And um, as, as we dive into the rest of this service, I want to pray for them. I want to pray for our interns. I want to pray for, for people as they serve and for us as a church. And then that we may hear from God as well um, in the rest of our time. So let's just stop, pause and pray. Father, I want to thank you that, that you are a God who serving is at your very heart. Jesus, you, you came uh, not to throw your weight around. You came as a servant to save us. You humbled yourself even to death on a cross. And because of that root is that you are exalted and raised from the dead. And you now have a name above every name. As we proclaim the name of Jesus, there's power and authority in that name. And Jesus, we readily just acknowledge who you are. We bend the knee and we bow our heads and we say, you are Lord. And we open our hearts again. Father, as we serve in different ways, I pray for our interns, those five uh, folks who we know. And I just pray that they may be richly blessed. As they serve, it may release your blessing in their lives and in others around. Father, for others in our church family, as they serve, I pray that it may release blessing. As you say, Jesus, as, as we serve, blessing is released. And I just pray that we, we see that, we encounter that, and so do they. And Father, as folks serve in their families and in their communities and in their uh, workplaces, Father, as they go above and beyond, I just pray that there may be a release of more of your blessing, more of your presence, more of your kingdom. Father, right now, though, we, we just, again, quiet in our hearts. We ask you, will you speak? Will you accept our offerings? And God, will you change us? Because we've been in the presence of the living God. Amen. If you are part of our wider church family, you would have received an email that gives a link to some worship. And you don't have to follow that. We just want to encourage you to, to engage in worship and, and some worship. You can sing if you want. Obviously, if you're in a big gathering, you can't. But in your home, you can there's something really powerful about, about music. Throughout scripture, it calls us to sing a new song. And around the throne of God is worship. And I want to, I want to encourage you, encourage myself, to be part of that angelic choir that goes around the world to give worship to God as it, as it changes us, as it gives glory to God. So I encourage you to, to engage in worship to our worthy God. This morning's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 48. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfil to the Lord the oaths you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. 
If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to see you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I want you to be really honest with yourself here, okay? I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something, and I want, to give, I want you to give yourself a score between 1 and 10 on something, okay? Now, you can do that out loud, or you can do that in your head. Totally up to you, but I need you to say, I'm going to give a score to this, okay? So, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, 10 being perfect, as in equal to God, and, and 1 being complete opposite, as in not equal to God, okay? How perfect are you? Okay, how perfect. 10 is you are up there with God and one is you are really not. So if you just score yourself. Now I know it's a bit of a tricky one because uh, you may want to say, well, in what area? Because in this area, I'm better than that area. And it has to do with looks and I'm going to obviously score badly. Uh, but you may score different to other people. Uh, but in general, if you had to average out how perfect are you, what score would you give yourself? Now, I'm asking that because in our reading, verse 48 uh, Jesus says to, to be perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect. Now, now that's, that's a pretty big call, isn't it? To be perfect like heavenly Father. And, and if you're finding that a little bit um, difficult, maybe intimidating, uh, there's another uh, comparison or call in Scripture we find in Leviticus 19 and in 1 Peter 1. And it's this. It says to be holy as God is holy. Now, I'm not sure what comes to your mind when the word holy, whether you think it's angels in clouds or, or again, perfection. And you're saying, well, that's probably not an easier sort of scale to mark myself on either. You know, how holy am I? Would you say you're more holy or more perfect? When we look at that word holy, the, the actual translation is what it means is different. It means to be set apart. It means different from all around. So when it says God is holy, 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 he's saying God is different from us. He's different. And what scripture calls us to be is to be different, like God is different. And that word actually is, is similar to the word that's used in verse 48 when it comes to be perfect. It could be translated to be mature, to be complete, to be righteous, to be different as your heavenly father is different. Because this is what God is calling us to be, is a people who are different. In our mornings together, we are looking through uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7, where Jesus sets out uh, what it means to be a, a follower of him, the, the Jesus way, the, the way of encountering and knowing God's blessing. And, and we've explored that, that the way you encounter God's blessing involves a transformation in our thinking that we're called to think differently as, and also to live differently because how we think impacts how we live. Now, if you've missed uh, some of those sermons, I encourage you to catch those up on podcasts or YouTube um, to catch up on those. Um, 
last Sunday, let me just do last Sunday a little bit, is we looked at some real difficult situations where it comes to, to anger and murder and lust and adultery and divorce. And Jesus has some really clear teaching on, on that. And, and what does it mean to live the Jesus way in those areas? And what we saw is that Jesus is still wanting to bring blessing because he still wants us to, to know what it is to have richness of relationship. But he encourages us to, to think earlier. Because so often we wait until we hit the big disaster zones uh, and, and relational carnage happens. And he says, look, think earlier and to establish some good thought pathways to make sure that you're you're thinking in the way of God and keep short accounts. So when you do mess up, just say sorry, sort it out and we move on. And that helps us to walk the Jesus way. Now, Jesus is carrying on with some, some pretty uh, strong statements in, in our reading and it has to do with still thinking and living differently. And there's, there's two main areas that, that, I, that Jesus covers in these next verses. Uh, and one is the, the way we make promises. And then the second bit is, is how we deal with bad stuff. Okay, so let's first talk about the way we deal with promises. Jesus calls us to, to be different in the way we make promises. Um, earlier this year, uh, many of you will know if you're part of our church, is that uh, Kathy and I were due to go on sabbatical. And we planned this big trip to Australia and Singapore and, and visiting five different churches. And we're speaking at some and spending time with leaders. It was the itinerary was brilliant. Um, and we also we always get insurance. So we get travel insurance just in case someone gets ill or something gets stolen or, you know, it's, it's a wise thing to do. So when COVID hit us, we suddenly thought, well, we you know obviously we didn't want to cancel the holiday, but. The fact is that COVID stopped the flights, Australia closed down, we weren't allowed to go. So we thought, well, clearly we need to lean into our insurance because everything's been cancelled. So so I, I pulled out our insurance policy and I found the number and I rang them up and they went, oh, uh, uh, well, you see, if you look at page 10, paragraph 8, subsection 4, the second sentence, it clearly states that you're not covered. And, and that, that was one of those, oh, joy moments. Uh, and they said, well, it was clearly in the policy. Now, the truth is, we've all signed policies like that. Maybe on your computer, you know, new terms and conditions, and there's like reams and reams. And, and some of us read every word. Some of us scan. And some of us just scan to the bottom and go, accept. What we find sometimes is in the small print is a little thing that says, we're not responsible. And, and that's what Jesus was encountering in Jesus in the time of Jesus was speaking into is people were they didn't have big legal documents to sign is that they would give their word. They'd make an oath. They'd make a promise. And to give a bit of weight to their promise, they, they would call on the name of God. But, but that was quite heavy calling on the name of God, you know, because, you know, I'll take care of your goats. I swear on God's name is quite a heavy sort of promise. So, so they would have other things. They would say, well, I'll, I'll I make an oath against heaven or against earth or against my head, which I know it sounds a bit weird in our, in our ears. However, how many when you were young, you remember making a pinky promise or, or crossing your heart when you make a promise? So, so those are really weird things as well. But it, it was that sort of thing. But do you know when you were a little kid and you made a promise and behind your back you did that? What did that mean? See, it meant that, well, I, I could break it. There's an escape clause. Maybe I'm not liable. And uh, Jesus' audience 
they were regularly encountering, maybe some were doing it or they encountered in others, is that people would make promises about different things, about business or about meeting or about responsibility. And they'd make, they'd make an oath, I swear on this. But then they discovered that that person didn't really mean it because there was an escape clause in it. So in Matthew 23, if you flick over to there, it says that some would say, oh, I swear on the temple. But see, if you swore on the temple, that didn't actually count. But if you swore on the gold of the temple, oh, that did count. Or, or I swear on the, the offering on the altar, and that counted. But if you just swore on the altar, it didn't count. Again, that sounds really weird, but it was all these little technical phases like, you know, page 10, paragraph 8, subsection 4. And what you're trying to build your, your life on, build a relationship on, uh, build a promise on, suddenly turned out that, it couldn't be trusted. Now, Jesus is speaking into this situation. And you may say it sounds a million miles from us, but actually it doesn't. Because Jesus is talking about relationships. Because at the heart of the Jesus way is a community of people who are in relationship with one another. And at the heart of good relationship is trust. And trust is bail on promises. And Jesus says, I think in verse 34, he says, look, don't, don't swear on this or that. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you say yes, then, then mean it. If you say no, then mean it. Don't, don't say that with a little backup clause in your head. Because the truth is that we, we still do that. Have you ever found yourself saying, oh yeah, I'll be there. And in your head you're going, well, unless something more interesting comes up, unless I get a better offer. Have you ever said, you know, I'll, I'll be there. And then you think, well, as long as you do it my way. Or um, I'll be there as long as it doesn't get too difficult. And we suddenly find ourselves being people who our yes is not yes. Our yes is conditional. And sometimes it can be even for, for good motives. We're saying we say yes to someone because we don't want to hurt their feeling, even though we walk away and, and knowing we're going to say no. Jesus says we need to be people who, who promise differently. We need to promise in a way that reflects God, that's perfect like God is, that's different like God is, is that our yes is yes and our no is no. Because this is what relationships are built on. I wonder at work, at home, at school, are you known as a person who, whose yes is yes and no is no? That if you say, I'm going to be there, yes, I will do that, I will hit that deadline, is that you're a person who will do that. Now, look, we all know that things do come up, um, crises do come up, and, and I think God understands that. But just in our regular day to day, Jesus is saying we need to be a people who are known for our world, known for our word. What we say is true. We don't have to call in other things, is that we are consistent. We have that integrity, that character. I, I'm sure, like me, is, is it really frustrates you when someone says yes to your face and then that's not what they mean. Or you see a politician on the stage who promises this and you know full well that that's not what's going to happen. Jesus says we need to be a people who are different in our homes, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our church, in our workplaces, is let our yes be yes, our no be known, to be, so that we are known as people who are different as God is different. So that's the first thing Jesus says. And I know it's not as big as murder and adultery, but actually it's the same, the same thing that, that Jesus looked at last time, 
is deal with these decisions, deal with our thinking early because it impacts how people understand us. It impacts things later along the line. So I wonder, are there some places right now where you're going, do you know what, I need to make sure my yes is yes. What I say isn't always what I mean. And it's really important for Jesus saying, make sure your yes is yes and your no is no. The second thing that Jesus then moves on to is that we, besides being different in our promises, he says we also need to be different when we face bad things. Now, there's two parts of this bad things. Uh, the, the first one is, is how do we respond when bad things happen to us? Uh, a number of years ago, uh, you, you may remember on the news, there was a, a, just a, a horrendous thing is, is ISIS. They, they had killed a Jordanian uh, pilot. They, they burnt him alive. Just horrendous. And the Jordanian government responded by killing, uh, by hanging two prisoners in uh, the ISIS wanted release. So they killed two people. And in the newspaper, including the Washington Post, so a really well-known post, it said uh, Jordan was following the eye, the eye for an eye approach. Now, the eye for an eye, you may be familiar, it's from, from the Bible, it's quoted in the Bible. You find that in, um, in Exodus 21 and Leviticus uh, 24. But... <laughs> I think what so often happens is we don't actually understand it. It does say an eye for an eye, but we misunderstand what the Bible was talking about. See, the Bible saying eye for an eye was not saying if something bad happens to you, you're allowed to use the same force and smack it back at them. That's not what the Bible was saying. This whole call to say you can do an eye for an eye was about stopping thinking and restraining ourselves. It's to stop it escalating out of control. It's interesting that that Jordanian situation I just quoted because, you know, they, they you could say ISIS killed one and Jordan, the Jordans killed two. In fact, the king of Jordan, he said they're going to put their full military might against ISIS until they run out of every drop of petrol and every bullet. Now, that, that does not sound like an eye for an eye. That sounds like we are coming at you with all guns blazing, literally. Jesus says in our reading... He says, you've heard an eye for an eye. I'm telling you, don't resist an evil person. And, and, and Jesus goes, goes beyond that. He says, so if someone, if someone slaps you in the face, turn the other cheek. If someone sues you for your clothes, give your cloak as well. If someone says, walk a, a mile, do two miles. And if, if someone asks for money, give to them. Don't resist. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if like me, if my, my brain whizzes and going, well, well, hang on a second. It is... Are we never supposed to oppose evil? Are we supposed to just be like doormats and, and let, let bad things just go? Now, we need to remember in here, Jesus is really clear on this. He says, don't resist an evil person. But we need to understand that that's not the only thing that Jesus says. Because Jesus actually, his, his death on a cross and his resurrection shows that, that evil does need to be challenged and overcome. We're called to care for the oppressed. Um, for the prisoners. We're, we're called to be good stewards. We're, we're not supposed to, to just give everything away. But what Jesus is challenging is, what is your heart response? What is your head response? What goes through your mind when bad things happen? It, is it that I must take revenge? And Jesus says, I want to challenge you to think as God thinks. And what God thinks is one of blessing. God thinks of blessing. You'll know the most famous, probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. It says that God looks at our world and doesn't say, Well, they deserve to be punished. God says, 
I have love for them. And I'm not going to burden. I'm not going to burden them and punish them. I want the opening line to be one of grace. There's a very interesting verse in Romans 12, verse 21. It says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus saying is, is we need to be different in the way we respond to bad things. Is don't go, how can I take my revenge? How can I get even? He says, our heart needs to be, how can I overcome evil with good? There's examples that Jesus gave about if someone slaps you on the face. Uh, in that culture, that was a case of showing, showing disrespect, dishonor. If someone slaps you, it, it shows massive dishonor. That turning the other cheek is about saying, I'm not going to escalate this situation. I want to try to pause and give space for God. With, with suing for your clo- with clothes, it says, I'm not going to fight for my revenge. I want to try to put a pause and give a space for God. In uh, the culture Jesus was in, uh, a Roman guard could actually insist that anyone walks a mile. He could say, you have to right now. I don't care what's on your mind, what's on your agenda. You have to carry my bags for one mile. It was a legal requirement. And he says, instead of getting angry and resentful and Romans is what we do is walk another mile is to pause and provoke a place of thought to allow God to break in. See, all of these things that Jesus is saying is saying instead of of repaying evil with evil or even repaying it with with, uh, an equal force. He's saying pause and give place for God to do something. Let's put that right back to our situations right now. You at home, at school, at work. When you encounter a bad attitude, a bad word, a bad reaction, Jesus says don't shoot back with tough words, with a tough action, with a revenge because they deserve it. He said, purposely, think differently. Think differently and saying, how can I give space for God to move in this? The truth is we're, we all respond in different ways. I, I, I know my one is I, I respond with words and I need to stop and go, okay, how do I respond with good? Others respond by just backing off and saying, I'm not having nothing to do with them. And saying, no, how do you respond with good? Some of us more physical and lashing out. Some of us just do different things. And what Jesus is saying is that we need to be different. The Jesus way is a way of being different in the way we respond. When we encounter bad things, you heard an eye for an eye. I'm telling you, don't resist. Give space for God to do something good. I wonder if there's some people, some situations where God's saying, as opposed to how can you get back at them? How can you pour good into that situation? How can you overcome evil? with good and then jesus so this is related to this which jesus says you've heard you love your neighbor and hate your enemy and jesus says to love your enemy and this is also the different way of jesus it is we don't don't just how do we put good in there but how do we put love in there i'm not sure if you've um, ever been at a party and you, you suddenly found you know, a big party lots of different people and, and you find yourself in, in this corner chatting with some people and, and you listen to laughter and fun over there. And you're going, I want to be in that group. And, and that seems to be the fun group. My group seems to be the really boring group. And, and that happens in parties. Now, if it happens at every party that you're always in the boring group, it, it's worth considering the common denominator might be you. Um, but, but actually, probably not. But what, one thing that we tend to do is if we find ourselves always in that, that awkward party is that we begin to get strategies of how can I avoid those difficult people? How can I avoid those boring people? 
to reposition ourselves. And I think in life, we can find ourselves doing that as well. Now, you may not say, I don't have an enemy. So, so I, I've been using the word of, of an awkward people or difficult, difficult people. I think in life we do that party thing is, is we say, well, how do I avoid those difficult people? How do I avoid those awkward people and hang around with the nicer people? You know, Jesus says something really challenging. He says, you know, we, we can all love people we like. You know, we all can, can cheer for people we like. We all can pray for people we like. I mean, what, what's, the, you know, what's the big deal with that? He's calling us to pray for our enemies is to care for our enemies, is to apply love into those situations. And I, I wonder if we sometimes we put more energy in avoiding our enemies than we do in loving them. Jesus calls us to walk his way. His way is radically different to what's accepted in our world. What's accepted in our world is to look after number one, is to avoid nasty people and to take revenge and to go for equality because it's the right thing. And Jesus says, no, reflect your heavenly father. I asked you right at the beginning to, to score yourself from, from 1 to 10 on how perfect you are. You know, I'm not sure if that's probably a good score. A better score would be this. On 1 to 10, how much do you reflect your Heavenly Father in the way that we think, in the way that we speak, in the way that we react? See, because that's what God is calling us to, to, to do and to be. See, this is the way we encounter God's blessing and those around us counter God's blessing. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Jim talked about being salt and light. And what it means to apply salt and light is that we, the way we speak, the way we act, the way we react. This whole passage that Jesus, it, with the, uh, the murder, adultery and divorce, but also that the way we make promises and the eye for an eye and the way we do our enemies is all about thinking differently, thinking earlier, establishing the right pathways. Why? So that all around us may see something of God in us. You know, the thing I, I love about Christianity, Jesus doesn't say, oh, just go and do this and then I'll see if you're acceptable. Jesus shows all these things to us first. Jesus gives promises to me and to you that actually are true. His yes is yes and his no is no. His Jesus doesn't say, I'll wait till you are, are good enough before I'll give you something good even while I was still a sinner while you are still a sinner the Bible says Christ died for us he didn't wait until it was all sorted out he didn't go for vengeance what he did is he offered and he offered and he offered love he was different he was holy he was perfect and God calls us to be those people as well the way of Jesus is to be people who are different in our promises are different in the way we react to, to tough stuff who look at how can we stop to put good in situations to say how can i pray for my enemies not that we get rid of them but that jesus may shine in them for as we do that we bring flavor we bring god we reflect our heavenly father and that's what jesus calls us to do along this jesus way let's pray Father, I want to thank you. Father, thank you for just what I, uh, the, those, that promise I, I just said of, is you don't just call us to do these things, is you have first demonstrated those things to us. Father, I pray for, for listeners, I pray for me myself, that we may start with you, that we may be open and accept those, see those truths, accept those truths, allow those to, to permeate into our hearts. 
but then allows us to transform our thinking and our living. Jesus, I just pray that in my relationships, in our relationships, in those situations that we find ourselves, Jesus, that we may be perfect, different, holy, as you are holy. Not for our glory, not to look at how good we are, is that others may encounter and know the blessing of Jesus, the blessing of our Heavenly Father in their everyday life. Father, we need your help on this. I thank you that you do not leave us alone. You walk with us, you fill us with your spirit, but you also really clearly call us to walk the way of Jesus. And we just commit again to say, that's the way we wanna walk. Please help us in that walk. Amen. Can I encourage you that, that if you want to pray with someone um, and you're in church online, you can press the, the prayer button. If you're in the auditorium, South Auditorium, you speak to someone and just pray. It could be something I just spoke of or something that God's nudge has nothing to do with what I just said. Remember, this is a living faith. God wants to be involved with where you are, with those situations that you're facing. Maybe they're all good at the moment or maybe they're really tricky at the moment. Involve Jesus in. Let's be different, not as a burden, but let's be different because it shines Jesus. And it opens us up, opens other, others up to that blessing and life of God. So glad you joined us. Have a great rest of your day and see you next week.